Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chuma, Kongwa, Kranwa, and Hohokam people. And I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Hi, fancy seeing you guys for the first time. Welcome to the Queer and Far podcast, a travel podcast from a couple of queer femmes, providing tips and resources for traveling safely while black, brown, queer, disabled, or from any marginalized group and intersections in between. I am the failed host, Charmaine Fury, who just let us talk for 25 minutes without recording. <laughs> I am joined by my co-host Shane, who is still a noob and still um, high on painkillers with a kidney stone. Hi. Yeah, that's fun. And our guest today is the dopest and most patient. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A couple things. I first of all, I love that theme song. So like, I was like, we get to hear it again. I was excited about that. Yeah. And then secondly, I just feel bad for the people who didn't get to hear that whole 25 minutes of conversation. It was good. I know. It was, was really, really good. good. I have I... never done that before. In four and a half, four plus years, <laughs> I have never done that before. Well, we would like to thank you for popping your cherry with us. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I looked over. You were like in the mix. Like you were hitting really good information because mm-hmm. we were getting into a meaty part. And mm-hmm. then I looked over. I was like, why is that record button blue when it's supposed to be red? <laughs> I'm so sorry. All right, so. So today... I mean, hooray for color coding. I mean, you never would have noticed. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, she would have gone to edit. Show like, me on the this? color wheel where I was like, oh my god. Okay, so today we are talking about living and working in Korea, and then just because we're brown, while black. Well, me and Jay are brown, but you know, you know. everybody can see it. You, you can see it. You know, you know what we're talking. About. Uh, so we're talking about that, and um, this being one of the first episodes that we've had a guest that's actually done the living abroad thing. Mm-hmm. Shay and I have been talking about moving abroad for a while. We're within forty days of that move at the time that we are recording this, but now we're going to talk to someone who is actually has actually done it by living and working in korea uh jay why don't you introduce yourself to the audience a little bit tell us about your show tell us about your work and then we'll get into it yeah uh so my name is javen jones i'm a comedian and a podcaster uh i podcast currently um on frown town we're in a bit of a hiatus right now so we're kind of working out like uh some format changes but long story short uh we're a podcast about laws and the government and the world around us and how we can improve it um some of the just i guess full disclosure some of the format changes is i don't know if i believe we can change the world anymore question mark we'll come over we'll we'll sit yeah we'll, it's yeah. while we're leaving it's like why we're ready to we'll leave <laughs> i don't know if we can we'll actually talk. make any changes anymore question mark yeah. so uh format may, kills you. yeah the new format might just be like we fucking hate this <laughs> 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 Um, and so like, um, I lived overseas in Korea for three years. I moved to Korea in 2012. Um, and I was there until 2015. Um, I was introduced to Korea by my friend. I had a friend who was black and Korean. His mom and dad separated and his mom went to Korea. Uh, when he finished college, he moved to Korea as well. He had had a job here and then went to go be an English teacher in Korea just so he could spend more time with his mom. Okay. Um, 
he got there, met a girl, like fell in love with her, and they were getting married. And so he uh, invited me uh, to come see him get married because uh, he was like my best friend. And we had this whole pack that like if one of us gets married, the other person is going to be there. At the time, it was like, oh, I'll best man. But apparently there's no best men in Korean weddings, I found out. Uh, so like, yeah, that. there was not a wedding party. It's just a super dope celebration, which, by the way, if you've never seen a Korean wedding, Go see a Korean wedding. It is. Okay. Wow. So good. The best man, best woman thing is American because. I think it is. My best friend was Arabic. We didn't do it there. Japanese, we don't do it there. In Britain, it's not common there either. So I don't, I think it might just be uh, an American thing. It's the, his wedding was super amazing. There was like a spiral staircase. There are chandeliers. There were multiple clothing changes. I mean, the production value alone is worth it. Listen. Some stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. And East Asians fucking turn up. Production. It's, I mean, <laughs> okay. it's an attention to detail that I was shocked by. I was like, oh my God, how many clothing changes are you going to make? Costume changes, <laughs> photographers, engagement photos. Costume changes, oh my Not God. Not just the bride, by the way. Bride yeah. and groom, multiple yeah. costumes, which is like going in and out. There was like a humbug. And then there was like, it was just, it was wild. Yep. It was wild. Uh, I 100% recommend going to go see a Korean wedding if you get the chance. I've seen three. Not disappointed by any of them. They were all fantastic. <laughs> we'll recommend. We'll recommend. Get yourself a best friend that's Korean <laughs> yeah. so that you have the offstanding chance. Yeah, you'll you just gotta up. get. You gotta just get yourself invited to a Korean wedding. Right. You just you gotta do it. That, that should be a highlight for you. Uh, so I was there, and while I was there, I stayed in Seoul. Uh, he actually got a friend, let me like stay in his apartment for a week. So I got to like just kind of live in Seoul for a week. Um, I can't remember which district it is, but I honestly ended up just kind of being like, "Yo, I think I want to live here." I went back to America at the time I was in college and was kind of finishing up. Uh, And then I finished and uh, my friend kind of hit me up and was like, hey, you should move to Korea. And I was like, I don't know. So I decided what I was going to do. I was like, I'll let fate roll the dice for me. So I'll apply for jobs in Korea. I'll apply for jobs in America and fate will decide my, my hand. I do this every time, by the way. It's how I ended up in Seattle. I honestly was just applying you know for jobs everywhere. That was going to be another question, but okay. That is how I ended up in Seattle. Like that is my my when I don't want to make a decision, I'm like fate. <laughs> and then I just I just do, apply for a bunch of stuff and then I take the first thing that comes. Huh. That way I don't have to think about it. Uh, so I, I did that and I applied for a job on at basically uh, with Chungnam in Korea, and they got back to me uh, the next day. So I applied like on like on a Tuesday and then on Wednesday they were like calling me like, hey, are you serious about coming to Korea? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. I guess I am. Uh, a week later, I was like in Atlanta getting like uh, my FBI um, background check. And then two weeks later, just in Korea. Uh, it so was, yeah. as a Japanese mixed person who applied to the JET program several times from the ages of like 18 to 24, I'm fully offended that I never got accepted. I think partially because I have Japanese heritage and they're like, we want blonde hair, blue eyed or people who don't look like us teaching English. Yeah. Okay, so you're just one day. Let's see what happens, and two weeks later, you're just in Korea. In Korea. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I wish they had been as uh, <laughs> as streamlined for you as well. <laughs> Maybe I should have gone to Korea instead of Japan, but then I would have been disowned. <laughs> I, I will say this. Uh, so, like going, like so, actually teaching in Korea. I think the the weirdest thing about this was uh, so they actually have you do like a English test because they want to mm. hear if you have an accent. Oh. Um, so if you have a southern accent for example which i do i have a southern accent uh you need to be able to hide it so if if, if you uh and and that also is something like um i found out that koreans value specific accents over others 
So yeah. uh, the most valuable accent in Korean culture, again, I see that face, Shay. The most valuable accent <laughs> in Korean culture uh, is uh, British, which is weird because like that's fair. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's very weird. And then Australian is really sought after. Uh, then no, nondescript American. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everything else just don't have. So like yeah. uh, I, I had to do like a vo- voice test. Fortunately, like I can sort of hide my accent. It's just certain words that trip me up. But for the most part, like I don't sound very Southern, thankfully. Um, and then, yeah, I, I was I was overseas teaching. Uh, fun stuff I learned on my first day. Um, Korean apartments use radiant heating. Never experienced oh. that before. Didn't know what it was, so I froze. Like I literally almost froze to death. My first, I got there in February. Oh, because you didn't know how to. Oh, I didn't know how to use it. Yeah, I got there in February, and so like the heat, the heat was on when I got there, and so I was giving it a leave, and no one told me it was radiant heating. So I'm like, oh well, I'm leaving my apartment. Let me turn the heat off. Nope. Like I don't need to run the heat while I'm here. Mm-mm. So I turned it off, Hilarious. and then I went back out, and then uh, I came in, and I was like, oh, it's cold. Let me turn the heat on, and I was like, I can't. Like, where's the blower? There's no blower. There's no blower. And then you're gonna have there, to wait that shit out. Yeah, and so I I ended up having to put on like uh, a hoodie, a jacket, a pair of pants, f- two or three pairs of socks, and like a blanket, and just laid in my apartment <laughs> for the entire oh, no. night. Like, oh my god, I'm so cold. I actually sent a picture of my thermostat to my friend uh, who was in Korea. I was like, hey, what do I can do? You, can you tell me how to use this? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> And then finally, like the next day, like the sun came out, and it warmed up, and I figured it out. Which, by the way, radiant heating is amazing. I love it. It's now. amazing yeah. when you know yeah. how to use it. When you know how to use it, it yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it was, it's the best now, but at the time, I was like, this is stupid. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this at all. <laughs> I also no. like it for like when your dryer breaks down and you just throw it on top of the radiator so that. You well, know. so it, the floor was the, the heat. So, like, it was actually coming out of the floor. Oh, the entire. So, so uh, the best part about it was like if you because uh, their hot water heater got like was a turn like you had to turn your hot water heater on and it was all embedded in your floor. So if you turned your hot water heater on, it would like your floor would get scalding hot. And there would be times that. it's really great. But there'd be times where like you leave your hot water uh, hot water heater on and like leave your apartment. And when you come back, your floor is just lava. You can't it's, walk. Right. <laughs> it's like, ah, I can't walk on my floor. I think I might like lava feet though. I don't know. Lava feet really sounds nice. good. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I enjoy an underfloor heating also. And I think Koreans are probably the people who did this, but Japan did a version of this in like old homes where they were built at certain angles so that you could light a fire outside your house, but it would funnel it up, yeah. up underground up underneath. Up the, yeah, yeah. To keep your houses warm and shit like that. And that's something like to this day, I'm like, man, if I ever go off grid living, like I, I full on want to build like, that's what I want to do. I want to light a fire like a 10, 100 feet away from my house, but that it pushes all that heat under my floor. Um, that's dope. It was it was a good time, though. I, I think um, the thing that I would tell you uh, is something if you're considering going to Korea, um, try to get like a larger school. So the school I actually worked right. for was called Chungnam. Uh, Chungnam was, uh, it's a one of the, lar- I think it's the largest or one of the largest uh, English schools in Korea. It's uh, traded on the Korean stock exchange. Um, so it, it's really large. Um, and there's benefits, I think, to having a really large school at your at your back. Um, but it still kind of doesn't matter. It, it really is kind of down to uh, where you're working and who you work for. So I had a friend who also worked for Chongnam uh, who got put in a different area. So I was in Daejeon. It's right in the middle of the country. <clears throat> I want to say it's like the fifth largest city. 
like two million people. So it's it's a city, right? And I was mm-hmm. like right in I was like a, a a neighborhood away from downtown. So here's the downtown and then here's my neighborhood. So I'm like a neighborhood away from downtown, just popping all the time. There's like stuff happening outside my window. It felt very much like, oh, I live in a city. And I love that. I was actually really into it. My friend got put in a rural area. Uh, he He's also black. I can't remember the name of the city he got put into, uh, quite frankly, but it was so rural that he had to, to get to Seoul, he had to take like a bus to another city to hop a train to then get to Seoul. And mm. the buses only ran up until like maybe nine o'clock. So if he was in Seoul and it was like eight o'clock, he could not get back home. He just had to stay in Seoul till the next day. Damn. And uh, he was black. So, like, uh, one of the things that you end up doing as a black person is uh, you go to Seoul a lot because that's where you can find, uh, like, your hair products if you use them if you're black. Um, that's the only place I could find a, a actual barber who could cut my hair. It was mm. a black dude who um, his wife was in the military and he was just overseas with her. And so he was just running. I don't know if it was, like, a legal <laughs> barber shop. I don't know if it was or not, but he did a great fade. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> He was, he was pretty fantastic, uh, but that was the only place I could find to get a haircut. So, like, you spent a lot of time in Seoul in general if you uh, are black, just because that's the only place. Really, if you're American, because that's the only place you can find a lot of kind of American amenities. Mm. Um, so, like, I would tell you just really pay attention to where you are uh, and then who you work for, because even with a larger school, uh, some larger schools are not great. And smaller schools... There's a, there's a story, I guess, full transparency. I told this previously and we we're all shocked. So the shock <laughs> is not going to be here. But there was a smaller school, yeah, uh, like smaller precious. schools. Yeah. Stuff that you need to know about smaller schools. I had a friend while I was overseas uh, who worked for a very, very small school. He had like maybe 20 students. Um, and one day he went to work and the building was there, but the school was not. The sign was down. There were no kids. So like he then, worked there the day before. Yes. Well, it was and Monday, then, so it was like the okay, weekend. Okay, so before, yeah. Friday, he clocks out, he walks yep. home. Done with all his work. He's like, yeah, weekend. And then Monday, he comes back in, and no school, nothing And nobody there. called? And like, no, you can't no, drop a... No one told him. And then the wild part is, so your school provides your housing, right? So if you have a place, your school provides your housing. So when he went back to his place, there was a real estate agent, like, showing his apartment to other people who were going to rent it. Because he would had to, and he had to get out in, like, a week. He ended up, like, staying with me. Uh, in my studio apartment, which was not great for about a week until he found something else, but it left him in a place where he essentially was just illegal because he didn't have a job. Yeah. And it, it just, it leaves you in a, a kind of a bad place. So you kind of have to be aware of that. Did he get paid? Or did I they mean, just ghost him? Did I mean, he like, at least get his last check? No. That's what I'm. <laughs> no, God. he had to. So yeah. he had to, he had, and that's another thing. He had to take them to, I guess, the uh, equivalent of civil court. Yeah. In Korea. And so like he worked out for him a little bit because he had a girlfriend who was Korean. Excellent. And because his girlfriend was Korean, she understood how the system worked. She understood like what needs to be done and she could like she could speak Korean. So uh he was able to kind of get things taken care of because he did not speak any Korean. Uh they got ended up getting married. They're still in Korea, which by the way, it's super dope. Okay. They have a kid, it's it's amazing. But like at the time he was just like, Yo, if I don't I think if he had not had the Korean girlfriend, I think he would have just been completely out of luck. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you, I don't know how you, you negotiate because the Korean, no. uh, the Korean legal system, I don't understand it. Mm. Like, I mean, it, we barely, <laughs> to be fair, we barely understand, understand our own. <laughs> right. It's, <laughs> but, but yeah. It's, yeah. You don't understand how it works. You don't know what your recourse is. And then uh, you can look stuff up to try to figure things out. But there's just like, 
a lot of people have been like, yep, right. it happened. Too bad. And so you kind of end up kind of ass out. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Like, I got so stuck on that when the first run of this <laughs> discussion, like, the just the fact, like, that the apartment building got the contact. The apartment building was like, oh, he went to yeah. work, but there's no work. Go show yeah. that apartment right now. Throw his like, shit out. Yeah. That shit rocks my brain. So he was yeah. able to get, at least get some of his money or what? Like, I think he got some of the money back, but I mean, like, I think the problem was the school ran out of money. So, like, uh, one of the red flags if you're looking for a job in Korea is, like, if you look at how much one of the bigger public schools pay no. and look at how much one of the private schools pay, if the private school is paying, like, a, a whole bunch more, yeah. you should really be asking yourself where that money comes why from. Why they do that. Yeah, yeah. why they do it. Because like, they're just it, trying to get you there to... Yeah. It's probably a Long Kong, yeah. So, this actually does make me think of, like, you mentioned that the, the company you worked for, they they flew you out. They got you there. If you mm-hmm. end, do they fly you back, or is that your responsibility? Oh, yeah, they, 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 they uh, covered my ticket back, too. Oh, okay. The, but in this private school case, obviously, they didn't get his last check, so they, they weren't planning on helping him get back home. And like, they owed him money, by the way. So, like, yeah. uh, and like when I talked to him about this, he was like, yeah, they still owe me for, they were supposed to pay for his flight back home. They were supposed to pay for his flight uh like here like to korea they didn't pay for any of that they just kind of gave him a salary it's like oh yeah, yeah we're gonna pay you and they never mm. did mm. and then like i said three months or so into the job they were just like gone. dude thank god he knew you because like i could just think about that i would shit myself like i mean and i'm in a country that's not mine you know mm-hmm. i i'm i'm still learning the language i don't know how legal stuff works and i'm yeah. <laughs> i am now homeless and jobless yeah, yeah. That's shit so myself terrifying yeah like that would stress me out um i mean the it's like the second hand discomfort yeah, yeah, that yeah, i right. experienced from hearing the story the first time i was just like i couldn't even get to my next question at first because it's just i that you could just be stranded in a country yeah where yeah. your primary language and their primary language is different is scary enough but if you also have like the legality of you are now technically illegally there because it's not like when you're in country, you can suddenly be like, I'm 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 on holiday now, you know, yeah. like yeah. you were here yeah. for a job and now you weren't. So that's that's fucking freaky. Um, dude. <sighs> OK, back to <laughs> yeah. uh, like your experience of it. You said that because of the, the company you worked for, they provided a lot of amenities. They took yeah. care of your housing. So I guess that is also. I mean, it's a benefit because now you don't have to figure out how to maneuver and find a place in a in yeah. another country. But the flip side of that is also that like you are beholden to. Yeah, you need to be good at your job. So yeah. like, like if you and, and for people who are looking again, if you're like going to go, I would tell you you should be good at teaching. Uh, if you have some teaching experience, that that's super useful. Um, I had some. I wasn't a teacher here in the states, but I had some teaching experience. Um, just because it was something I, I had thought about and I ex- explored. <clears throat> and so I had done a couple classes in teaching and I tried teaching a couple classes. Um, uh, actually, I taught like classes in high school because I thought that might be what I want to do in college. Mm. Um, I didn't. I did. I decided not to be a teacher, by the way. Uh, sorry, America. Not going to do it. Um, <laughs> like, and, I, and I know and I say this fully knowing they're like, oh, we need more black men as teachers. I'm like, no, we don't because you're not going to pay us enough. It's just not, not going to do it. Enough, just, yeah. Not going to pay us enough. I'm just not going to do it. Well, uh, or, I, or throw us in or throw you in. <laughs> jail for reading books yeah Yeah. oh uh my sister was a teacher Uh, i say was my sister was a teacher in alabama she was an art teacher um she quit because um 
she got tired of having to constantly go out and spend all of her checks on supplies for her kids mm-hmm. to be able to have art supplies. Yeah. And it was just, it, she just finally was like, I feel like I am going broke. Tr- they don't pay me enough, but I'm spending all of my extra money on art supplies. And I would try to help her when I could, but I mean, right. it, it's just one of those things where like, it's just not a supported system. And I think having, yeah. having lived overseas and taught overseas, there's a difference in how teaching is viewed overseas. I think it's um, higher valued. Yeah, I, I think especially like, and we talked about this a little bit, uh, like especially from the standpoint of like English, because learning English is such a prestigious thing. Yeah. Um, because it has so much prestige, the person who teaches you it has a little bit like you're classed above a little bit because it's like, well, you know English. Mm. Um, and I think it's one of those things that uh, like it's like you're more supported in the fact like I this is something that I know is just starting to happen like, with like tablets in classrooms now in 2020. I had a tablet in 2013 in my classroom. All of my kids had tablets. Like we all had Samsung mm. tablets and it was like the entire class was just on tablets. And it was just because um, they were like, look, this is a better way to learn. We are going to spend the money on it. And they installed like just an entirely new system, uh, like almost overnight, I feel, just because they thought that was going to be more effective. And I think that's something that uh, it took a pandemic to force us to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's and I'm sure great. that once they tried to get everybody back in schools, they were like, can we sell all these tablets? Yeah. <laughs> we don't need these tablets anymore. You know? And- yeah. And in all honesty, I think it, that is that. But uh, yeah, when you work for a bigger school, so I, I worked for a bigger school. Um, when I first got there, um, I talked about how, do we, do, do, I can't remember where, I, when I talked about the radiant heat. Was that during recording? You did that on this one. Okay, on this okay, one, cool, yeah. Cool. So, so yeah. Uh, part of a thing I found out, because there's things that you find out, uh, like going to the store, going to the bank, trying to set up a bank account, is just difficult. Sometimes mm-hmm. you go to a bank and there's a person who speaks English and you're like, awesome. And then sometimes you go to the bank, no one speaks English, and you're like, not as awesome. Um, so what, what ended up happening is our school had a dude. His, his name was Dubom. He was super cool. Uh, and you could just ask him to do stuff for you, almost like a valet, where you just be like, hey, um, I need a bank account. And he'd be like, all right, give me your ARC, your alien resident card. He would go off. He'd come back. Here's a bank book. Here's your account. You're set. So you didn't even need to be with him. Yeah, I, I know you didn't have to be in the same room. He would just go do it and then come back. Like, that's how my bank account got set up. I was like, hey, I need a bank account. He was like, okay, give me your ARC. And he was like, I need X amount of money to put into it. It's like, here you go. And he was like, all right. And he left, came back, hand me a bank book. You can see the money's in there. And he's like, this is your account. And then if you wanted to pull the money out, you just take the bank book in, hand it to him. And they just, your money's there. So yeah, it was great. Okay. He, got, he got my TV for me. Because <laughs> um, I was just like, "Hey, Dubom, can you can you grab a TV?" He's like, "Yeah, what kind of TV do you want? How big do you want it to be?" How he's big like, do you all right. want? It? Yeah, he's like, "All right." And he and would just like, bring much, it to you. He'd be like, "How much do you want to spend?" Yeah, and yeah. He'd just he'd be like, "Hey, I got a TV for you. It's gonna so be like, X amount." He'd show up. You hand him money. He goes out, does what he got to do, come back, and you just have stuff now. Yeah, yeah. It was very cushy. Cushy. I'm I'm not saying that it wasn't great. so this is kind of where we were when we realized when i realized my big feeling um the the meaty part of this discussion about moving abroad Mm. is that i mean you and i are brown folks so we have a different relationship to service um because Mm. of because of our the people we're related to and our you know our skin color and all that kind of stuff so one of my big concerns about moving abroad and especially because I'm going to a brown country is is participating in the culture 
versus exploiting the culture, mm -hmm. wanting to be very actively attentive to how I move in a space that that is predominantly brown folks, predominantly poorer than me. You know, like here, I I barely got money to put myself together. There, I will have a lot more money, and it'll probably raise my my class standing, I guess, in in terms of uh, the resources that I have. So participating in the culture where it's not uncommon that someone in the middle class would have a cook, a, a maid or somebody, a driver right. or something like that. And wanting to participate in the culture as the culture is without exploiting it, but also like when to know that it's okay to say, yes, I want to participate in this, this way or not participate it and things like that. So you're experiencing, you're living in Korea as not just an American, but a black American. So there's different things that are happening to you probably than your, than your non-black counterparts. But you still have, like, you got this guy that you could just. Just this dude. Yeah. Just... I I'll say this. Uh, I was really cognizant of not abusing mm. Dubom. So right. uh, an example, uh, there was someone who, because um, Dubom also had the keys to your apartment as well. So your apartments, uh, it, the apartments that we lived in uh, were keypads. So you just keypad and it would unlock. They were keyed as well. If your keypad died, you could, you know, get uh, get a key. Um, he had the keys. So if you got locked out of your apartment, you kind of had to call him. There was one specific, I think it was like Christmas, where another girl got locked out of her apartment. Uh, and this girl, by the way, uh, for context, this girl was black. So like, uh, I, I want to throw that context in. Um, she got locked out of her apartment on Christmas. And here's the thing you should know about getting locked out of your apartment. So like the batteries in your, in your uh, keypad are on the inside of the door. And when your mm. keypad is almost about to die, it beeps annoyingly. Like you have to ignore it for a while. It's like beep, beep. Oh, and it's like, yo, change the batteries. For black off. folks, we have training and ignoring she, she just ignored the it. She just ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. On Christmas, she gets locked out. It's like her batteries no. die. She gets locked out, and she calls Dubom on Christmas to come unlock her. He had to, he was in uh, he was at Jeju Island with his family. He had to leave Jeju Island. Drive An Island. Yeah, which is like a destination, like a destination spot. It's like a tourist destination spot. So you have to leave Jeju Island. <sighs> And then drive, uh, I've, Jeju Island, I think is like right around Busan. So I would imagine you have to drive like maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half back to Daejeon to come open her apartment. And he was not happy about it. It was, no. during, he's like with his family during Christmas. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at my mom and dad. We're like, Christmas, it's a great time. Let's open gifts. What's that? I got to go open an apartment. All right. And then he, and so Man, I tried to avoid doing that. that. Night, like, yeah. Like maybe yeah. stay with somebody else. I, yeah. I just I just tried to avoid like abusing him to that point. Like uh, sure. there were also other people who like had him come change out like light bulbs or like mm -mm. yeah like like stuff that you can do. So I think the the key here is there are things that I like going to get a bank account I can't do. I don't speak sure. enough Korean to do it. So I was comfortable having him go do it. Going to go get a TV. I technically could go do it, but quite frankly, like I don't like I don't want to. I didn't want a new one, and I was like, I don't know anyone and how to get a used one. I can't get. Yeah. Is there a Craigslist here? I couldn't read it if there was one. Right. So I, I felt comfortable asking for that, but it was it was basically if there are things that I can't do, I'm comfortable asking because that's what he gets paid to do. But to sure. your point, there's a point where you you cross the line of like, okay, now I'm just abusing this this amendment. Yeah. And I was right. trying to avoid doing that, and then to your point as well. With trying to be part of a culture, I think it's um, like I, I am unable to speak Korean. It is not for lack of trying. I'm just I learned like five words. I learned how to read it on the flight, like learning how to read the alphabet 
was easy. Like I learned how to read it on the flight, but actually learning words and how to pronounce them was where I started having my biggest issues. Mm. Um, just because, um, like I, I'm Southern and, and my accent is thick. It's very, very thick. So like, uh, I never really got good at speaking Korean, but there are other little tiny things that I knew that were part of the culture that I tried to make sure that I was respectful in the mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, that I was talking about is, is, uh, when you hand like money to someone, for example, if they're older than you, two hands always two hands uh out like this like here's my money if they're uh similar in age to you but you can't tell it's still two hands but like you touch this part of your your wrist while you hand stuff Mm. um and then the further up you go like if i'm I'm handing something to you like this that means like we're equals right like i'm looking at and if you're younger than me then you know high on the hand right here so Mm -hmm. I, i learned that uh and i would make sure to do that just not to be rude uh i also learned um like if you were a teacher and you told your student to come here this is rude this is what you do right, to right. a dog so i learned to do this like come here and mm. it's just little things like that i think that i think you can put mm-hmm. forth the effort to kind of like understand the culture enough to like well i'm not going to be rude within the culture just because it's not mine yeah. yeah and make a few adjustments like i didn't like saying come here like this it's not my favorite way to say come here it just it feels yeah. unnatural to me and it's just like, like, hey, come here, come here, come here. But by the time I left Korea, I was like, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Just, that's what I was doing. It's like, yeah, come here, come here, come here, come here. Because yeah. I, I, did, I didn't want to make anyone feel rude. And the same thing for like, I, like it took me two years of being back in the States to stop <laughs> doing this. Oh, really? Money to people. I, I, was, uh, I was back in the States and I was uh, at like this, um, uh, I was I was at this, like this restaurant and uh, I handed my money to someone like this and the lady at the restaurant was like, are you, have you been in Korea? And I was like, yeah funny. and she was like yeah because of how you handed the money i was like oh okay okay that's funny yeah that well that's good i mean yeah i think like that's part of the stuff that shay and i have talked about a lot is uh, you know being active participants uh appreciation versus appropriation yeah and you know like i think the the biggest concern that both of us have but it's a slightly different for the way that i'm moving in it versus the way shay moves in it is paying brown people <laughs> enough like you don't want to offend them by overpaying if that's not part of the culture you don't want to offset i guess the economy a little bit in yeah. the ways if you kind of do stuff like that that's something that shay's family experiences because they they had her her extended family owns um property in fiji um versus just like you know if it's ten dollars a day is all they're making my equivalent of $10 a day and I can afford $20 a day. I'd, I'd, could I do that without offending? Could I, you know, could I do that without messing up the culture? Um, or is that a, is that a different kind of the colonizer mentality of just like, Oh, you yeah. poor little people. Well, I mean, capitalism is terrible, right? So right. Yeah. And we've already, and we have said before that there's no such thing as, you know, healthy consumption or, you know, right. under capitalism. Yeah. But I think what what you end up doing is, quite frankly, like, I think in this case, especially for you, I think you can be concerned about uh, the culture, but also understand that the culture is kind of um, bathed, if you will, in capitalism. Sure. And the way, especially when we look at uh, like how and I don't I'm, I'm going to dance around this, by the way. Uh, so if it sounds like I am, that means I'm doing my job. Uh, I think if we think about how class is addressed in each culture, mm-hmm. I think we could make the argument that, um, especially when that culture is a capitalist culture, that those mm-hmm. class distinctions uh, 
um, are more about oppression than about actual distinctions or actual classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in that case, I would be less I'd be reticent if not uh, adamantly opposed to supporting those class structures. Mm-hmm. And I get that, and I, as I'm saying this, I get that uh, my judgment of those class structures is not it's not me mine to make. I can't be like your culture is messed sure. up. I'm not here to do that. Right. Yeah. But I am also not going to support something that I see as oppressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it offends you that I pay you more money, I'll pay you how much you're happy with. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to try to pay you more money. <laughs> like, I'm going to try to pay you more money, right? I'm going to yeah. try to pay you more money. And, it, and I, fortunately, the beauty of capitalism is that in most places, if you're like, yo, let me give you more than I'm supposed to, no one's going to be like, no. Most people be like, yeah. okay, yes, I will take more. So, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I I would be surprised if someone was like, I'm offended that you wanted to pay me more money. Um, but I will also say that in other countries, uh, and in, you know, mileage may vary, uh, sometimes the trappings of capitalism here in america are far stronger than they are in other countries yeah it's so like for example mm-hmm. uh just waiting tables here in america terrible it's the yeah. worst. terrible two dollars yeah. an hour and yeah. like, if you don't get tipped, you can't survive yeah. and there's no tipping in korea because they just pay nope. everyone they pay everybody what, a wage they just yeah. pay everyone wages so it's like yeah yep. you can afford to like work here uh you can afford as a waiter to like make a living wage at your at a restaurant uh, and it's not like, yo, we paid you two dollars and everybody else has got to make it up. And I think yeah. uh, that was weird for me because, like, to your point, uh, every time I leave a restaurant not tipping, I'm like, this feels weird. It but does. Yeah. It felt better knowing that, like, I'm not leaving people like in an oppressive mm-hmm. state. It's just yeah. they make enough money. They make enough and, money. Yeah. And I think that part of it is kind of why I would say that, like, the way capitalism expresses itself here in America is a little bit more extreme and there's a lot more, I think there's more like kind of landmines, like capitalist landmines that you can run into. Right. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Like, um, usually, you know, from the, uh, you know, um, the flower ranger, uh, perspective, um, is, <laughs> is, uh, sorry, that took me a minute to spell flower correctly in my head. That's fine. Um, I haven't heard that one yet. Is that when I, you know, notice from my traveling and then all my research is that when my people tend to go somewhere, money means I've paid for it. I am entitled to something, mm. which is you, please leave Yikes. that someplace else. Ikes <laughs> on bikes. The other thing is that we, what we tend to do is we tend to create wherever we go, we, we colonize literally like we go and we make a little America in Mexico or we make a little America in Korea or we, and we want them to cater to us. And then because the American dollar for the longest time has had so much weight, we do get our way and we don't learn our fucking lesson to do better. So there was an experience I I had talking to uh, a white lady who was also teaching and Mm -hmm she so uh and i feel like this is something we have talked about before Charmaine. when you're black in another country like the black experience here is one where like it's noticeable when things are like because you're black right so like if i'm Mm -hmm. like at a restaurant and everyone gets like helped but me i'm like was mm-hmm. everyone else white? Is that, is that what we're doing? And then they're like, yeah. oh, we get you last. And it's like, uh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Or like little things like, uh, you know, pe- when you walk by people in the street, there's a, a reaction that you're like, okay, is this just, it's just my skin tone. Uh, there was a white lady who in Korea uh, essentially experienced that and uh, had a whole conversation with me. She was like, is this what it's like to be black? And it took everything in me not to just be like, ha, 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 yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> took everything in me. But she was like, I she was like, I noticed when I go to stores, they'll help all the Korean people first, and then they'll help me. Mm. I noticed that like uh, if I'm walking down the street, like men will spit in front of me and then walk around me, and I was just like. Hmm, you don't tell. say. <laughs> Do tell. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think what um what may be interesting for a lot of especially if you're there by yourself, I think once you take like a group with you, you're a little bit more insulated from this. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're in a country by yourself, I think especially if you're white, you may be exposed to uh someone not treating you as like first class, mm-hmm. like yeah. first first class citizen. And I think that exposure uh, at least in the case of this one specific white lady, uh, like really changed how she felt about like black people. She she literally was like, "I'm so sorry, I didn't know it was like that." And I was like, "I mean, great, but great also, you shouldn't have to experience what? it." Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. Why can't Why can't you just believe me when I tell you about my experience? Like. Yeah. It's great that you it's, what do you yeah. want me to congratulate you yay you've experienced racism yeah yeah, yeah you yeah, want yeah. a point i'm so sorry and then cringy yeah. <laughs> still making it i'm so sorry i never you're still making it about yeah you yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry triggered I'm, I'm no no you're fine uh I, I will say though it was an opportunity i think for her to kind of come Good. to a realization yes that, sure. like uh there's positives <laughs> yes there, yeah she had the aha moment. Yeah, I mean it's it's not it, it's not the way the aha moment I thought would go, but I mean right. it did happen. And I I think if you are uh, not a minority, like for me personally, being in another country, like it, I never notice second class treatment because like I get that shit all the time. It's just like yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. So they're treating me like Americans do. Dope. Um, and honestly, I feel like I got better treatment in Korea because I'm six foot six hmm. and have a tiny face. I've been told yeah. so many times. Have people like I? I am. I kid you not. I was at a restaurant. I'm just eating Korean barbecue with a bunch of friends, having a great time. Oh, yeah. Across the uh, across the restaurant, this waiter sees me. He's like, "Oh!" Runs over. He's like, "Small face," and does this to me. It's like small face, very beautiful, and then just walks <laughs> off. And I was like, "What <laughs> is happening?" <laughs> like, and, someone and, randomly touching me. I don't think. It was just as, for my face. They were like, I know. Like this. Like, he, he did they do that like, to their what? face or to your face? To my face. He did they this. Your face. Okay. He was like small face, and I was just First like, of all, he had to do this, <laughs> right? Hilarious. I was sitting. I was seating. I was seated. So oh. he, he, yeah, he came over and got me. But he was I like, imagine small if face. Jay is seated and I'm standing, we're at eye level. <laughs> okay, all right. As, as all the right. as the Asian. Okay. The, okay. And, like, I, and honestly, it didn't bother me that much because like uh, I'm not I, like I get. Because I also had someone try to, like, rub the color off my skin while I was there, too. It's like, whatever. I get it. You haven't seen a black yeah. person. It's fine. You haven't seen a black person. I'm not going to be like, oh, how dare you? Like, it's it's cool. Uh, it, it is slightly different when you know. Right. Like, if, if that happens here versus when that happens yeah, there. Yeah, if you're it white, is, you've seen a black person. You yeah. doing that to me here is different. If you're Korean, and, and I think a lot of this is because for a lot of Koreans, especially in rural areas, they never see anyone who's not right. Korean. Right, okay. okay. So yeah. they've never seen anyone who's not Korean. Uh, yeah. I had a, you know. I was I was at a sub and I'm gonna connect all these stories together. But I was at a subway station. You're doing uh, fine. <laughs> and I'm I'm like waiting for the the train to show up. And I'm like when I sit in places, no one would sit next to me, which I kind of liked. But also I kind of was like, all right, so we're just not gonna sit Same. next to me. Cool. Yeah. It was like I kind of was like, yeah, cool. I get all this space. There was this older Korean couple that shows up, and so I'm seated on this bench. Everyone's on the other end, and there's like only one seat next to me because no one's gonna sit next to me. And I see them, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to make this older Korean couple stand for the train. So I get up, and I give them my seat. And I I, I just kind of, like, gesture to the seat, and they sit down. And so uh, 
the older man like gestures to me and I think he's going to try to say thank you. So I lean down and then he grabs my hand and hands it to his wife and then they both rub my skin and then they feel my hair and then they're like, uh, and then they say thank you. And it's like, all right, cool. So you just wanted to feel what was going on. Cool. Um, that, and, and like it, it was something that like, like I said, it's, I, I don't even really truly get upset about it. It was just like, I think it's, it's just, you haven't seen a black person. Yeah. And you just want to satisfy the curiosity. Uh, I don't know how to tell you I'm not a museum exhibit in Korean. Yeah. But I'm not like, a petting zoo. Yeah. Well, it's like, there's but... also something very specific to like, and I'll say East Asians because I'm a member of that diaspora here, I guess, is that like, you know, we're, we're talking about homogeneity. We're talking about like 95, literally 96%. most right. of the thing. And and it's not unreasonable to think that as if you don't live in a city, even if you live in like a, a suburb of a city, that it's still possible that on a regular basis you don't see someone that doesn't look like you. Um, so anything that's different is exoticized there, which feels weird to be an American and think about you being the thing that is exoticized. But tall, because we're not tall, yeah. tall is a thing. Oh, you know, I do have a question I'm going to get to, but don't let me forget to ask you the question I want to ask. Um, right. Tall is a thing, you know, hair, black, black skin, hair, stuff like that or whatever. And I, I've told Shay this. And I've, I've talked about it on my show, too. I've never had the experience here. Well, until this weekend, because it did happen to me when I was in Arizona. Um, I've never had white people come up and ha get their hands all the way into my hair, even though I know they've had curiosity. I've had them reach, but I'm usually able to block yeah. the grab. I've only had Asian people that are transracially adopted by white people who have managed to get their hands in my head before I've had a chance to block. And that's mostly because I'm looking at an Asian face and I'm confused by the hand that's coming towards me. And I, it's happening so quickly that I don't pop, pop, pop. Mm -hmm. um, except for this weekend, it happened when I was at my cousin's house. A white woman put her hand in my hair just to compare it to my cousin's hair, which means she definitely has put her hand in my cousin's head before. Like, um, I don't understand and this is just me personally. Like, if I don't give you money, you shouldn't touch my head. Like, I'm I feel saying like you're not a hairstylist. You're not if a. If you're not a hairstylist, or we ain't fucking. Yeah, that's right. You shouldn't, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, also that. Cause, <laughs> yes, cause I, even I, if you I, are, I, don't I, touch I, my I, hair. Sure. I, <laughs> I mean, sure. It's, it's luxurious. If we ain't fucking, or you ain't getting paid. That's my yeah. head. I yeah. no, don't do it. So, like, I don't have that curiosity. Also, to reach in and grab someone's hair or anything like that, but. But with Asians, I find, uh, and I'm mostly dealing with Asian Americans or people who are Asian and come to America, um, when they they want to know what's different, like the fascination with difference because they don't experience difference. So it is exoticizing. It is a little bit fetishizing, but the way it moves is different yeah. than the way it, we do it here. So it's not necessarily... It, it's, it's, a it's negative objectification but it's one it of those things where i think that and the fact that i can't i don't know enough korean to explain to you why this is not okay that so it's like i can't yeah. like i don't know enough korean to be like hey yeah. maybe don't touch people <laughs> like i don't yeah. know enough korean to say without, that especially without permission yeah. right God. and i mean to be fair they sort of at they might have asked because they were like right. hey, hey come here well, who knows yeah and yeah, I yeah, yeah. Over no, and i don't know if they asked they might be like yo can we touch your skin and i was like okay because i don't know I, I don't speak korean so like it was it was one of those things where, like, I, honestly, it was a grain of salt moment for me where I was just like, I could be upset about this, but I don't, like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm angry, like, ah! So yeah. now I'm just this angry dude. They don't know and, why yeah. I'm upset. Right. And then, like, the train showed up, and I was like, cool, let's just get on the subway. <laughs> Let me just go to where I'm going. So, I mean, but it's I think it's just something that, to, to your point, 
it's a little bit of an exoticization, but it's it's not. I think it's more like exotic, but not a fetish, right? I think for for white people, oh, it feels more like a fetish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like that makes, I've never fair. seen this before. Versus, oh, I like this shit. I think that's yes. the difference for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's it, the difference. Like, I've never seen this before. It doesn't bother me if you're like, yeah. I've never, exp- I've never seen a black person, and I, I may never again. Because to be fair, you may never see another black person again oh, in Korea. Like, this might right. be your one shot. Like, I get it. So, like, I, for that, it's like, all right, I get it. You're, this is your only time to like, yo, I yeah. felt a fro. Right. All right, fine. But which I leads like... me to the question that I want to ask you about this. Oh, let's hear it. Were you ever handed a baby and took and had your picture taken with the Korean baby? never a baby a lot of children and a lot you of were handed get... children though yeah a lot of children and a lot of my my picture getting taken in general yes sometimes like yeah. like sneakily and sometimes not mm-hmm. like people love to watch me like to take pictures of me like eating udon so like, yeah because you're like, like you're just like us but not <laughs> yeah it's like look at him he's eating udon look at him and it, it, it was just I remember I was at a I was at a kimbap restaurant and I ordered some udon. I'm like and I'm just eating it and I'm like using the uh, metal chopsticks because that's what Koreans use. Which by the way, oh my god, <laughs> like they they both make sense and are also like horrible to use. It's so right. difficult. It's so right. difficult to use. It took like time Be- to get used because to because of the it, because they get warm. No, they're, they're slippery. Uh, no, they're slippery. They're real slippery. They're metal, so it's like the same metal as your silverware, but you're not poking anything. You're just trying to grab. You're trying stuff. to hold udon noodles, but then it just slips right out of the I thing. Mean, as an Asian, even though we don't typically use the metal in Japanese, the, none of these things that you're saying is making sense. <laughs> I, sir, because I think when I think you might have been doing, Do I have this, doing like, this coarse ass skin that holds to on this. to. It's the, just it's the 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 metal. Okay, use a set of metal chopsticks. That's all I'm gonna say. Use a I set, have. and I, and you use, have you? Did they have like the little grooves on the end, or were they just yep. smooth? Yeah, smooth. Okay, well I can't. So I think maybe that's a better way to put it. I can't. <laughs> It is a struggle for me. I mean, I can't. I feel like I learned, uh, like, like about a year in, I kind of figured it out. But for okay. a year, it was like, yo, I'm gonna starve. <laughs> it's like to be to be fair, I had a set of Star Wars hashi before that were um, plat some kind of plastic, and those uh, didn't hold food well. Mm. But I could grip it just fine. So but like, it didn't like hold noodles well. I guess is it didn't hold anything uh, eventually i got to, and i think also what i found out is uh with wooden chopsticks uh i tend to like like i i, I tend to like grip really hard so that okay. like the wood is like bending and it's like it's it, everything i grab is like just grr, pinching like, and stuff yeah, like I'm that yeah b- pinching okay. it I, I think i learned to just like not pinch but to just kind of manipulate so i got way better with it but at the time not great at it and uh there's this group of uh like teenagers who were walking by that just took a picture of me like and I tried to do it like undercover, and I was like, "Huh, that's cute." And then uh, this older couple came by, not even undercover. They were just like, Chick-chick! and they just walked off. And I was like, "Why is everyone so into watching me eat udon? It's it makes you feel like a celebrity sometimes." First of all, udon. I think Love I it. can watch anybody watch you. <laughs> it's really good. And now I- tell me how it tastes. <laughs> <laughs> Go slower. Will, it is. It is. It was, and I will say that too. Like that was also kind of like the highlight of of living in Korea. It was just like Korean food. Like oh, I God. liked it before, but then I was like, oh my God! It's like the source. It's Getting so it from yeah, 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 fresh, like, man. Come on, yeah. Which also, is why, like, I will have I'll go to a Japanese restaurant in the U.S. and it's like it's fine, or it's even delicious. Yeah. But right. compare it to my grandmother's food. Exactly. No. 
you know. There was this there was this uh, old lady who had like a, a little tiny shop right around the street from my apartment that I I don't like sundae in general. Uh, sundae, by the way, is uh, Korean blood sausage. I don't yep. particularly care for it. Uh, but this older Korean lady in her little shop made the best sundae, and I would be the only time like and I actually told her uh, like you're the only sundae I can eat. Like I don't like uh, anyone else's sundae. But I would go and get Sunday from her like once a week because mm. it was just the best. I don't know what she did to it. I don't know, but she just she just had the touch. I feel like any quiz any country's cuisine needs to be based off of how you can get it on the street. Like because in a, right. in the states, the best thing we have to offer is pretzels with mustard in New York. Which like why Terrible. are you putting mustard I mean, on it? Um, hot dog or finish or hot or dogs finish, or condition stuff like that, right? No. And and this is not a great example of like. If this is our food, that sucks. Whereas, like, you could get street food from Mexicans, you could get street food from Asians, you can get yep. street food from South, South America. Like, there's street food that that tells you everything you need to know about whether or not the people love themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think too, like, uh, especially like in other places, their street food is better because they actually are meant for like walking. Yeah, so, like in Korea it's a city meant for walking. So there's all these yeah. little shops. And so you're just running by grabbing like a little fish cake or grabbing like, you know, yeah. some, uh, some Sunday or like just getting a quick meal and then continue walking. Like here, our, all of our street food is just drive-thrus basically. Cause it's, yeah. we're so geared around the car. Yeah, so I, yeah. I don't think we really have proper street food. Cause not many of our cities are meant for walking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a picture of this like really dope ass looking hot dog situation that I got on the street, but it's completely cold on the inside. And um like frozen cold? Yeah. It was in Austin. It made me uh, upset. One of one upset. of the one of the best foods I uh or meals I ever had in New York. Um and I think I I don't know. It was a pierogi uh street vendor. Fire. Yeah. I I, I was like, I'm not leaving. Give me another one. Like we, they're like we're gonna be late to a show. I'm not done. This is. I need another one. It was really good, it's... and I didn't even know I like pierogies that much. What it? What? What is a pierogi? It's like it's a like stuffed a, sandwich. Uh, stuffed yeah, what? Uh, like meat and vegetables, mm -hmm. but okay. like it's like a potato based like dumpling, like a like is Are it Eastern in... European? Is it potato based? Pierogies? I, I guess. Well, like, I don't. I'm honestly, it? asking. I'm not. Sure. It can be. It can be a noodle, and I have seen it in like potato um based okay okay but like yeah it was i've like heard it, this I, word but i've yeah, never like ukrainian or like it sounded you know, eastern right. european yeah, I, yeah i don't know so really is it maybe pickled i'm not a fan of pickled foods too much sometimes they'll put that i don't know but it was like all it's warm and hot and like it's like it's like a soup it's like a soup dumpling but with like, like less bread? no but in a no 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 like it's in a noodle <laughs> but it's yeah. like less less Okay, the soup dumpling has a lot more soup. This has a lot more like it's like a stew in a in a in a dumpling. Am I saying this right? I I like this description. <laughs> I, you're 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 spot on. Yeah, it's um. I I I think of I just call them hot sandwiches, but I guess they're technically not. <laughs> <laughs> technically not a hot sandwich. I mean, but yeah, the description that Shay gave is pretty spot on. Okay, I'll have to Google. I'd have, I'd have to Google. Uh, so taking away, okay, you did three years. You said you didn't plan on doing three years initially, yep. but every time you just kind of signed up, read yep. up, and, yeah. and things like that. What what was life 
Yeah. Like, what was your life like? Um, it was actually really nice. I, uh, I lived on the same block as my school. So like I could walk to work in like two minutes. Um, like living in Korea, uh, especially where I was, there were some American amenities. There was like a Costco, uh, in the city. So like Mm -hmm. you could go there and get specific American items. Um, there was, um, like, I think the, the, the life itself was pretty decent. Um, I will say, uh, of everything that I did while there, I 100% ended up loving teaching. Uh, I ended up like having like these, um, overarching long relationships with students who would only take my class. And so we became like, you know, over like the course of three years, like I just knew these students. Um, and something that is unique about like the, the way I guess I, I ended up, uh, like when I left is um like i cried when i left like it's it's, to this day it still feels more like home to me than Mm. than any place i else i've lived have you you felt safer there generally um i feel safe everywhere i'm like six foot six i'm fair it's fair it's like like who's really trying to like even like like, i'm six foot six i grew up in like bad neighborhoods so like i'm i feel pretty safe everywhere i'm like who's really gonna fuck with me but to your point i think it was just it was one of the first places I think I lived where I was like, okay, um, even people who did not speak English, if you asked for help and were like, hey, and try, they mm-hmm. would, they would, they were there for you. I, they loved the the attempt. Yeah, like there was a, a couple who owned a convenience store that was in the bottom floor of my building, and I would go there and grab like shrimp chips and beer. And when I would, when I got there, they would try to teach me a Korean word every time. So they'd be <laughs> like, oh, so this is how you say shrimp chip, or this is how you say beer. And I would like, and so like they, and every time I came in, I'd say hello. And then I'd ask how they're doing. And cause I, I learned how to say that stuff because they would just take time to talk to me. And I think it was just little things like that where, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to spend that additional time, you know, trying to connect with someone who doesn't speak your language, but the fact yeah. that you're willing to do it and that you want to help was always mm-hmm. nice to me. Yeah. How was like balance, like work balance, like. You know, yeah, it's not no, Korea's not the, not is not the cheapest mm-hmm. um, place to live. So, how did you find it? Um, work life balance was nice. I uh, worked. I would go into work at three and I'd leave at ten. Mm. Um, you only worked uh, four days a week. Uh, your mm. fifth day was a planning day, so you were at work, but you you don't have a class. Mm. You're just sitting and planning. Okay, uh, which is again. Uh, respect for teaching is like look we're gonna have you teach four days a yeah. week and then your fifth day you're just prepping right which is amazing that's uh, good yeah yeah and uh i think the as far as just like the balance itself i think it was pretty solid um when i became a supervisor i think i, I got a few more roles in addition so like i had to watch cctv of like teachers as they talk which mm-hmm. by the way if you teach in korea you, you will be on closed caption not closed caption but on closed circuit television okay. they just have cameras in all their their uh classrooms which by the way great thing for you so yeah. the kid does something i actually there's uh there's this girl who stole some candy so i brought candy in for this game for a bunch of kids and this is why i stopped bringing candy to my classes by the way so i brought candy in for this game it's like all right so we're gonna play a game and the prize prizes are candy so if you get something right you get a piece of candy so we go through all this. There's one girl. She doesn't get anything right. She doesn't get any candy. And being the person I am, I'm like, well, you got to get stuff right to get candy. So then we take a break. <laughs> and someone had candy on their desk. They go to the bathroom. When they came back from break, their candy was gone. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. They're like, my candy's gone. So they're looking for it. They're looking for it. So I have access to the, the, the closed circuit television. So I just pull it up and I just start watching. And I see this little girl go over, like look around, sneak someone's candy, and then like hide it in her bag. And so like after I see her do it, like I, I, I grab her and I take her outside and we have a whole conversation. She starts crying and she apologizes. But in that instance, uh, that enti- the entire class was like in uproar about missing candy. And yeah. without the CCTV, yeah. we would never, like we found it pretty quickly. And then because like, I was like showing her, she's like, I didn't take it. I'm like, all right, come look at this. And I'm showing her take it. And she's like, okay, I took it. And I think in that case, it's it's useful for you both as a teacher, but also like if you're, if a student accuses you of something, mm-hmm. it's on TV. So it's like, yeah. yeah, if I did it, you should be able to see it. And I think that's also super useful for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say that the, the balance was pretty solid. Um, I got a chance to like visit and like uh, go a lot of different places. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, good. I, you can, like you're, I feel like you can get to, I feel like you can get to Japan by boat. Uh, you can get to Cambodia pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of places mm-hmm. that you can get to that are like, like Korea kind of ends up being like a base camp for those places. Sure. Yeah. Which is super nice. And then I would recommend if you are in Korea to check out Jeju Island It's a, like, it's like their uh, national park is what I would create. how I would I call see. it. It's super nice. It's like a little volcanic Island. It's so it's like really cute. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate you coming back, especially since we have already, you and I have already kind of done this before. Um, and and that you're sharing all of this with us is I really appreciate it. Um, plus, it's just nice to hang out with you again because it, it's been a minute. Um, before we wrap up, okay, give me like your top three reasons why you think people should try or your bottom three reasons why they shouldn't try to live um, in another country. I think... I think everyone should at least spend a year or more in another country. I think it gives you a perspective of um, how other countries run. So for instance, uh, like I wear glasses and I got my glasses in Korea for 40 bucks and they were done in 10 minutes. And it was like, mm. what? It's helpful. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I waited what? three weeks for these things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think what that experience has kind of taught me is that like a, a lot of times, especially if you live in one country by itself, you think, Oh, this is the dopest country in the world. And because you've never experienced anything else, you aren't aware that there are better ways that things can be done. Um, and you also may not be aware of that. Not even better. There are just other ways that people do things. So there are other ways that people live. But the thing that I think I would also say that has always been unique to me is that like everywhere I've lived, it was different, but it always kind of felt the same. There's always dirt under your feet. People all have the same problems. We all have to eat. We all have to like have food. We all need water. We all have to breathe. So like everywhere you go, I think you start to realize that like there are things that are different, but at the end of the day, there are also so many things that connect us. Mm. And even if you don't speak the same language, we all have the same needs. We all have the same desires. We all have like the same, in many cases, like similar goals in life and what we want and, and how we want to live our lives. And I think that is the perspective that I would recommend that people need to get just to kind of understand that other countries um, are different and the differences are kind of what makes them other countries. But the things that are the same are kind of what makes us all human. Mm-hmm. And then I would say also, uh, you know, do it for the experience of if you're a minority, um, do it for the experience of living someplace 
where your race is not the first thing mm. that comes up. It's not the it's not the first thing. I mean, obviously, it it's there, mm-hmm. but for many Koreans, uh, my race wasn't the first thing they noticed. For a lot of Koreans, the first thing they really noticed was like I have a small face and I'm tall. And you're <laughs> tall. <laughs> small face and tall. And I think that was a unique Take experience it. for me. Yeah, if you have a small face, totally go to Korea. Um, <laughs> I, I, I got to go measure now. <laughs> if you can do this to your face. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, and go. I'm like, I'm sitting here with this, like, oh, not quite. <laughs> moon face. Japanese yeah. moon face. But I, I would say, in all honesty, and all joking aside, I, I'd say it's a really good opportunity, I think, to like expand your perspective on the world, uh, to expand um, like how you think. And I think also... The last thing I'll say is it really kind of shows the impact America has had on the world. Mm. So I kind of got to see uh, from from another country when stuff happened, how the country, how that country reacted to mm. what America oh, did. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you get yeah. to see how other countries react to it and not just like the American story of it. It's yeah, we saw America do we this. We saw. And this is an yeah. ally, of course. So they're not going to be like, yo, America, let's hold you to the fire. But. There's at stuff the same with it. Time. Yeah, at there's the a same real time, take. Yeah, people right. call us out on our shit very quickly. That's it's a real different take. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you get that. Like, mm-hmm. you you don't get that experience or that perspective of like people being like, "Yo, I don't fucking like America," and here's why. And as yeah. they list points, you're like, "Yo, these are all valid." Yeah, like, yeah. you don't have that. You don't get that. And it's That's not until fair. you experience that that I think like, and you go overseas and experience that because again, they are not seeing America from the source of its origin or source of its power they're seeing mm-hmm. it from the outside yeah. um i guess the other thing too uh, if i'm gonna throw one last thing in is uh it's just fun like mm. it, it's a it's a fun thing to do like I, I for all the stress and all the stuff that we talked about i never had a moment where i was like oh man <laughs> this is this is not gonna work and it, it's funny because when i moved to seattle I almost left Seattle. I was like, I can't do this. I actually but, heard you talk about this before. Yeah, where you're just I, like, I can't hmm. do this. I was like, I'm going to leave Seattle. But I never had that moment in Korea. It was always like, yeah, this is going to work. And I never felt yeah. as if, like I, I, like I said, I chose to leave, but I never mm-hmm. felt as if I had to go. It was always kind of like, yeah, this is this yeah. is fine. This is working. And I always had fun. Short of how much you would miss your mom and extended family and things like that, would you go back? I mean, like to live? Yeah. I know life is different for you now. You have a wife and things like that too but um um i would i would go back uh i mean it would be another temporary run but if you're like yo you can do another three years yeah i can do another three Uh, just because i feel like it's it was something i I enjoyed uh i also still really love teaching even though i I don't do it now Mm -hmm. um and then yeah it was it was a lot of fun for me uh and and more to the point i think i i grew as a person like exponentially there were things that I came to an understanding of in Korea that I didn't have mm. in America. And some of it was, um, some of it was just because I was in a country by myself mm-hmm. and it was just things that I had to figure out, um, living in a country by myself that Dubon couldn't do for me. <laughs> and <laughs> I think there's also just this, this, this chance, I think, like I said, to see your country from someone else's eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I as as somebody who traveled as a child um, and to get the perspective of, of an American, a white American and how we were treated um, elsewhere, it was um, a opportunity for me to have to see a perspective that 
wouldn't, I would not have been able to see had I just, you know, traveled around the States. Um, Cause I went to countries where, you know, where arranged marriages were still, ha- are still happening. Yeah. And, um, and education only went up to the eighth grade for women. And, uh, and so it gave me an, more of an appreciation. And then also like it triggered the step of, because there's a part of you that goes, Oh, it's just better in America because you know, I was, raised in that yeah but then to see it going no it wasn't and to see that um i'm in a place where there's history of my people doing harm yeah and the after effects that doesn't just go away because they leave yeah Yeah. Um, and and even as a young person who didn't really understand everything i still was seeing it and understanding something which helped me unpack some stuff later on but that was a different perspective of being a privileged little kid being catered around and, but being, but also you're, you're not being seen. You're just, <laughs> you know, like watching everything. So, mm-hmm. and then making friends. So. Um, thank you again for, for joining us on the show. Why don't you tell everybody one more time how to find you and what didn't get said this time that did get said last time was your, was your comedy. So if you got yeah. anything coming up, yeah uh so i am if you go to jjonescomedy.com uh that's where all of my shows are i if you're in the seattle area i definitely have shows in seattle uh if you're outside of the seattle area maybe i'm still working on some of those (laughs) presently within driving distance of Seattle. yeah that's what we're doing right now so portland uh i'm probably gonna be uh have i i'm working on the show right now that that's we'll just say that um i actually (laughs) run a show here in seattle called the blackout it's the only all black comedy showcase in seattle Hey. Uh, yeah, we uh, we've been going pretty strong. Uh, we started last April, and we've sold out every show nice. um, so far, which has been you know blessing. Um, and then Frown Town, like I said, we're on hiatus. Uh, it is my podcast. Uh, if you, I think if you just look search Frown Town, I don't yeah, think there's a lot of other right Frown Town it'll, stuff. It'll just pop up. Yeah, it'll yeah, be the first thing pops that pops up. up. Uh, but we're we're on a hiatus right now. Like I said, we're just trying to figure out um, <laughs> how we Life feel about logistics. the world. Yeah, how we feel and, about yeah, the world. Yeah, I guess how you feel about the world, too. I was I was on board for changing stuff uh, two years ago when we started it. And now I'm kind of like, I don't think we're going to change anything. Seriously. <laughs> um, the pandemic has, has taught me that literally almost everybody I knew would be willing to hide the zombie bite if they got zombied, if they yeah. got mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So, yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to help anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. in the same place I'm at. Where I'm like, yeah. Yeah, y'all are y'all are horrible. I don't know if I want to help y'all. <laughs> yeah, like I don't like. There's very there's like a smaller number of people that I want to be in community with now than ever before. So. Ever before, yep. absolutely. You can't even do bare minimum stuff, and you're 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 thinking that we're gonna change the world when yeah. we actually need bodies in the streets standing up yeah. for something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. No, thank no. you. You can't even wear a mask or not buy a, a really bad video game. <laughs> oh, yeah, because of the, yeah. Yeah, yeah people yep. are still That's doing happening that. right now. That's happening yep. right now. Just... All right. Uh, did we do the at symbols? Your socials? You want to do oh, the socials? Uh, adjective underscore J on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, also, adjective J on Black Twitter. Okay. That's right. It exists. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the best place to find me. Instagram and Twitter are the best places to find me. Cool beans. Thank you again. And uh, thank you for we... having me, by the way. This was fun. This it was, was fun. fun. I'm, yeah. I, I also w- enjoyed talking to you. Shay, it was nice to meet you. Hopefully, I get lovely. to talk to you again at some point. Yes. Yes. Please. I, I would thank you. definitely think it would be interesting to do a frown town because I still haven't met your co host yet. And um, 
We should Just, do a. Yeah. I feel like there's vibes. I feel like there's vibes in this group. Could work. I, I think it would be a lot of fun. And also, yeah. I, I feel like V would really appreciate uh, us doing another episode. <laughs> <laughs> he has been very patient <laughs> while I'm like, I'm going to figure this whole thing out. And he's like, hey, take your time, man. And I'm like, all right. And then two months later, he's like, so, so still taking that time? So... <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where are we at in the press I, record? I, I'm still here. Yeah. Where yeah, are yeah, yeah he's, no. he's been great. And honestly, I don't know if he listens to this, but if he does, I appreciate the supportiveness that he's had. He's He's been pretty fantastic. Nice. Maybe we love you. Yeah, uh, we, do. we are within, like I said, about 40 days at the time of recording until we go to uh, Medida. Um, Shay is first flying from Arizona to Houston to be assigned a cat because I have four cats and we got four people that are going to go. Each one's going to have a cat, and then we're going to be in Medida. So I actually don't know what our schedule is for the next couple of weeks, but we'll definitely start um, getting more uh, living abroad, I guess, content coming up to you soon. Uh, follow us on all the socials at QueerFarPod, on the Tickety Talks, the Instagrams, uh, kind of Twitter, but not Twitter, um, you know, Facebook, whatever. And we're waxed. We're waxed. And we're back. Let's go. (laughs) So let's go. (laughs) Queer and Far is a main hustle media podcast produced and edited by Charmaine Fury. Co-hosted by Charmaine Fury, a.k.a. The Blazing Blurred, and Shay Nanigans. Music is Big Band Savage Jazz by Pine Groove. If you like what you've heard on Queer and Far, please subscribe, rate, and review on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.